A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. Carlo Ancelotti did it. Now it's the turn of Antonio Conte to win the double in his first season. Spurs might still strike back. Arsenal are aiming to win the FA Cup for a record seventh time. But let's be honest, Tony. Chelsea are in control, aren't they? Well, they should be. I mean, uh, they weren't for long periods at Wembley against Tottenham. But, you know, that was largely Conte's fault. I mean, if you start the game without your best player, well, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, he's been regarded as a genius now. Oh, yeah, wait until Tottenham tired and put him on. But frankly, Tottenham should have been two or three up. And, um, and bringing on Hazard then wouldn't have helped. So, actually, I think he got away with one. Um, but, yeah, you'd think they're going to be too strong for Arsenal, who were just slightly flaky. Really? That's a surprise. What about this Chelsea team? What did that performance tell us about them on Saturday? Conte's talking about them being in transition. You know, a lot of money going to come or go out of the coffers. Lukaku, Van Dijk, people like that, you know, purported to be coming in. Where are Chelsea now? Well, I think he's probably. I think it's fair enough to say that they're they're in transition. Uh, I mean, they've lost uh, Ivanovic, uh, Mikel. These were big characters in the dressing room. John Terry uh, has now talked about. Uh, well, uh, has revealed the fact he's leaving next season. But the the, the main stay of the team uh, is quite tight. Um, so I think it's it showed mental resilience um, to, to beat Tottenham the way they did. Uh, I think they they'd sort of got themselves into a little bit of a corner, Chelsea, in, in recent weeks and we were beginning to wonder if the momentum had swung into Tottenham's favour and uh, uh, I think a lot of us thought that if they beat, if Tottenham beat Chelsea mm -hmm. at Wembley, that it wouldn't just obviously be the FA Cup final uh, that they'd got to ahead of them, that it might just give them that base, that platform to go on and uh, overcome them in the league as well. So I think uh, they did show a, a resilience that they certainly didn't have last season and uh, I think Conte can take a, a lot of credit for that because he obviously he had to get into their heads and, and make sure that they were set up for that game. There's no doubt about it, they were twitchy going into the semi. Um, you know, they, they lost a couple of games. Um, you know, the, the, the Crystal Palace game obviously was a shocker for them. And there was a sense you could get at that back three. Yeah, you know, United, they were terrible. And, and Conte prioritised the league over the semi. But, you know, it's, um, it, for me, he, he got away with it, as I've said. But it's his first misstep since last September when he, when he come to terms with the squad he had, where he had to do with them, and how, you know, with limited resources, he could make this into a team that could win the title. And he's done magnificent in there. And again, they, they sort of, they've got that mental toughness. You know, Tottenham were the better side, but found a way to lose. Chelsea found a way to win. 
Yeah, which yeah is what the name of the game is. Isn't it's what it, good teams you? do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you don't you're not going to play unless mm. that was the Arsenal season, obviously the invincible season. But you're not going to play well every single game. Mm. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, look back to the times Manchester United were devouring opponents. You know, they or, or devouring titles, should I say? They they played some lovely football, but there were times when they just had to dig deep and be oh, resilient. Yeah. And and that's what it takes over the course of 38 but games. But there was also that sense for me that. Uh, Tottenham didn't really trust their bench, whereas Chelsea, when they did come on, they made a big impact, you know, even Fabregas. Mm. And speaking of Fabregas, he made the point afterwards that if even Hazard was more selfish, he's got the potential to be as good as Messi. Now, having seen Messi on Sunday night, <laughs> you don't think so, but do you get what he's getting at? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he. It's. It was interesting to hear him say that actually, Fabregas. You know, this is a man who's who's played alongside both of them. Uh, he knows Messi very, very well uh, as a as a player, but also as a person. Uh, you know, I know they spend time socially together uh, when they can. When when Fabregas can get back to Barcelona, so knowing Messi the way he does and knowing Hazard the way he does, I thought it was fascinating that he's he's laying down the gauntlet to uh, to Hazard, isn't he, and saying to him, look, you know, this is this is what you've got to do, but you can take the next level, uh, the next step. I mean, it's been it's been really interesting the last few years. You know, the number of times we've asked Chelsea managers whether Hazard can be as good as Ronaldo and as good as Messi, and Mourinho would always stop just short. Everyone always says yes, he, he can be, but he's not there yet, and and he's getting to that sort of age in his mid twenties now, where you know. Let's go back to when Ronaldo was at Manchester United. He, he wasn't the finished article then. He, he went off to Real Madrid and became the finished article. But Hazard is getting to that time of his career, that, that age group now, mm. that he needs to, if he is going to ever be as good as them, it has to happen in the next couple of seasons. Mm. He's not going to be. No? No, he hasn't, got the, he hasn't got the mindset and he hasn't got the ability to find space on the pitch when the game's not working in his way, as the United game shows. But he has the, he has the class to be the best player in the Premier League. Yeah. But also, is he of the type who could go to a club like Real Madrid, who are still dead keen on him, and excel in that environment, that very political, pressurised environment? Well, I think he could because he's um, he doesn't get too much involved in all that mm. stuff. He's, he's well liked, isn't yeah, he? Like, yeah, you know, apart from the, the you know the Mourinho boys stuff, he gets yeah. involved with. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> yeah, you know. So if if you talk to people who've managed him, they say you know he's, he's a nice fella. He's nice and quiet in the dressing room. Uh, he, he'll listen. He pays attention, so, and I think he kind of, he, he'd sort of take a, the middle line between all those political groups mm. in the dressing room. Mm. What about an altogether more turbulent character, Diego Costa? Even when he came on, he, he didn't look at it, did he? Is China still preying on his mind? Yeah, I mean it is uh, undoubtedly uh, the, just the six hundred and fifty thousand. Well, a week. and and you can probably forgive him for for it playing on his mind. You know, I I I think uh, I think the the figures are astronomical, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. But what what's incredible, you know, we're talking about this as a player agitating for a move. Uh, I mean, the, the great story of the week came out that he, it's the weather that he just he just cannot handle it. Now, look, I, I, that's understandable. Not everyone wants to come and live in England. The culture, the weather, whatever it is, and um, you know, we we can forgive them for that. Everyone's human, make their own minds up. Uh, but when you get a six hundred and fifty grand a week offer, it is going to turn your your head. And and the fact that he is looking to go on the back of potentially winning the double. Will say it all about you know what he prioritizes uh, prioritizes in uh, in life and in his career. I suspect there's a little bit going on there where if Chelsea reach Pogba money, three hundred grand a week, he'll stay. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at Chelsea, they've not been great in the transfer market, have we? With the obvious exception of Ingolo mm. Kante, what are they going to do 
with them up front because uh, they haven't any. They haven't got any back backup really, has he? No, no. They're going to spend fairly big as you know in the summer. You know, I mean, one one of the problems Conte had last summer is that they didn't spend that much comparatively, and they didn't spend on players he wanted. Uh, they've come to uh, they've come to realise that they've got to trust his judgments, and so they will spend and they'll buy players he wants. You know, and he'll definitely restock up front. You could see Lukaku going back there. And, you know, um, I think they'll be, you know, so they'll be looking for strikers across Europe. Mm. What about Tottenham? What did uh, that defeat say about them? They obviously lack the street wisdom of a, of a Chelsea at the mm. moment. What yeah. else do they lack? Not too much. Uh, they're, they're not a million miles away from being a, a complete team. Um, I, I think uh, it just showed there was probably that maturity. Uh, that level, um, and Harry Kane spoke about it. You know, mm. he spoke about getting to the uh, the next level and, and being a bit more clinical, killing games off uh, when they can. Um, I was at the PFA Awards uh, last night, and, and it was interesting. Uh, Goth uh, Crooks was he, he used the phrase TTT, things take time. You know, and he, he was saying mm. to Deli Ali, to Harry Kane, and all that young group, uh, Kyle Walker, Danny Rose. You know, stick together. And this will come good. You know, you can see they've got all the the ingredients there. Um, and I, I think I think this season. I know it's difficult for for Tottenham fans and disappointing that they lost to Chelsea in the FA Cup semi final. But if they finish second, it's progress again from last season, and and, and that will really set them up for next year. Isn't that so Tottenham from Garth Crooks? Things takes time. No, your times now. It's the semi final of the FA Cup. You're pushing for the title. You know, now is your time. And Pochettino made a massive mistake in playing Son as a wing back. It mm. was, you know, it. it he's had it, the, he didn't have much choice, did he? Because Davis Davis got injured, and I think he would have he would have probably well, gone he, with he Davis. Could have, he could have put Trippier. Well, he could have played Trippier. Yeah, yeah, and he had yeah. Kyle Walker. You know, mm. it, 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 he, he's, he's got plenty of fullbacks. He could shift things around. They've had the best mm. balance, and they, they were that that really unbalanced them. Son didn't know what he was doing, and then to be suckered in to give away a penalty like that. You know, it's a, of all the managers who made mistakes over the weekends and semi-finals, he made the smallest mistake and got punished biggest. But they were they were beaten by Chelsea. I mean, they were beaten by the team who consistently have been the best team in the country this season. It's not, you know, if you're Manchester City, you, you're more angry about losing to Arsenal than mm. Tottenham should be about losing it, to Chelsea. It's fine. But if you dominate a team for everything apart from the first five minutes and the last 15, then you've got to be winning, even if they are the best team in the country. Mm. Who's got the best running? At the moment, you know, I look at Chelsea's running, and I see okay, Southampton Tuesday night, um, they've got Romer back. Uh, Sunday, you've got Everton. That to me is probably their last big test of the season. Yeah, I, I think I think Chelsea will will be confident. They they would. They would have thought they got that little blip out of their system, that that Palace uh, defeat. And, and by the way, losing to Palace at the moment is, is no. Uh, we'll know, get on to Liverpool later. Like, yeah, absolutely. Worry. Yeah, um, they seem to be beating everyone. I'm going to have a fiver on them to win the title next year, like yeah. Leicester did uh, uh, after after staying up. But I, I think I think Chelsea have done enough. Um, and mm. I, I think they have enough just to see it out. I mean, just again, just reiterating uh, about being at the PFA dinner. You know, Kante was there, but Hazard was with him. David Luiz was with him, and and they just they looked there was got a little bit of a sense of togetherness about yeah. the, the three of them when when you saw them there. I mean, uh, Hazard and, and Luiz were just absolutely thrilled when when Kante's name was was read out. Look, of course they knew they knew it was coming. Mm. Um, but um, you know, I, I just thought it was nice to see. You don't always see that at these sorts of events mm. where teammates. Go and support. I know they they were in the 
PFA's team of the year, so there was a reason for them to be there. And of course, Hazard was on the uh, the player shortlist. But you don't always see teammates going along and supporting them. And uh, I just thought that it just mm. it just sense that they're they're not you know they're still confident that yeah, they've got. Because Tottenham takes. is a, a a very tightly knit club. We you know we saw that with the mm. tragic death of Ugo Ekeod last mm. week, and how that had a profound effect on people at every level of that football club. And it was interesting when Daddy Ali scored. You know, you'd look up mm. the heavens. Um, with the Tottenham side, they have got a lot to be positive about. If you look at it, oh, yeah, yeah. Wanyama and Dembele together. Mm. Uh, Ericsson, no other player in the five top leagues in, in Europe has pro produced more assists this season. The, you know, mm. the pass for the Ali goal was unbelievable. Mm. They have got Finish a lot to be... too bad either, by the way. It wasn't, yeah, was it? Brilliant goal. Yeah, I mean, they've got loads to be optimistic about. And I mean, I think this year, they've just got to say, you know, it, it hasn't happened, it should have, but it hasn't. And the fixture list has been unkind to them as well, because they've got three London derbies coming up, which they, they could do without Crystal Palace, Arsenal and West Ham. Um, you know, it's a, they've got a big issue, though, next year going into Wembley. You know, what they, another thing they needed to do on Saturday was to, you know, make a statement, we can win at Wembley. The, the only time they've won at Wembley this season was against um, CSK Moscow mm. in a dead rubber. And I think the thing that concerns me most was the Genk game when there was sort of 8,000 away fans uh, making loads of noise, players on a lower level to Tottenham who would get a chance to play at Wembley and lift themselves up. They're going to be having that almost every week next year. Yeah, is that going to be sort of a West Ham syndrome? Is it some talk already about maybe it would help Tottenham if they do play at Wembley, but I think the decisions this week, that they actually narrow the pitch mm. for them. Yeah, I, I, they, they could almost do, the way they've played at White Hart Lane this year, they could almost do with one more season there. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, yeah. it will be interesting if, if they don't, take this final step in the next year, the next two years. It will be interesting. Already we see in the papers at the weekend, Christian Eriksen, a target for Barcelona in the summer. So they have got to convince the players who are there now, you know, that this is the place to stay. This is somewhere that you're going to be able to win trophies. But um, I, I think... It's only going to take them winning the first game at Wembley if indeed they do they do play there next season. It's only going to take them winning the first game and then the monkey's off the back then. You know, there, there isn't this mental block. Of course, if they start the season, and they've started the last couple of seasons a little bit slowly mm, as well, yeah. which has proved costly. But, you know, if they if they don't win maybe the first two or three, one of the first two or three games, then of course it might just, the mental side might start to creep in. But I think, you know, look, we mentioned the Alley goal, the Harry Kane goal was absolutely delicious. That shows well. how far he's come, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, they've got they've got this striker who's scored 20-plus Premier League goals for three seasons now. Um, uh, Pochettino will be saying to him, right, give me 30 next year. Mm -hmm. and, and if they just recruit cleverly, uh, in, in the summer, and that's not Tom Cleverly, if they, if they make a, a couple of clever signings. Uh, you look at the depth they've got at fullback, um, where they've been able to bring in Trippier and Davis to complement perhaps, arguably, the, the two best uh, fullbacks in the league this season. Then, if they can just have that sort of depth throughout the rest mm. of the squad, then I, I, I really, I'd, I'd be very, very hopeful if I was, uh, if I was Tottenham fans. And, and they are, you can tell, because you cannot get a ticket for love and money to White Hart Lane at the mm. moment. Yeah, the thing that struck me about the Chelsea win was the intensity of the atmosphere, and they responded to it. Tottenham are going to have that same thing in the North London derby. Mm. Who's going to blink first, them or Arsenal? Well, I, I would have thought Arsenal. Um, I don't, you know, the Arsenal beat City, but I wasn't really impressed by them. Uh, Wenger come up with this great idea to play three centre backs. You know what? All they did in the first half was sit deep, try and take the sting out of City, invite City in, 
And um, Andy should have been really two or three nil down as half time. Arsenal thrive when there's no structure, when the game gets stretched and a ten to end stuff. And that's why they beat City, not because of any three centre backs. You know, um, they've got the sort of players who, um, who are not very disciplined, but, you know, sort of do well in, in sort of basically kids' games. <laughs> but if you look at that back three, I was very impressed with. Rob Harding. Now, he's been nowhere this season, really, if we're honest. Yeah. Um, is this a sign at last, and maybe at least, that Wenger is prepared to do something different? Uh, no, I don't think it is, because I, I, I think I think he's he's proved to us over the years that he's, he's got a formation and uh, uh, he sticks to it. Um, I, I just think... It's always going to be a case, whatever Arsene Wenger is at that club, there'll be another two years. It's always going to be what we've seen over the last five years. I, I just, I've, I've been one of his staunchest defenders, um, but the Bayern Munich, the first leg, convinced me that they do need a new voice in that dressing room. They need someone new to listen to, someone's ideas to come in and freshen them up. And I, I think, even though he may, we may see him a little bit bow next season to to the odd three at the back, I, I think he will always revert to that 4-2-3-1 system that he's favoured so and, much. And you know what, the three at the back, everyone's sort of mad everyone, oh yeah, stroke of genius by Wenger. Look at the City goal. Bellerin's on an island with Aguero. Yeah. Everyone else is in front of them. And it was so Arsenal. Three at the back, four at the back, you could put 17 of them at the back. <laughs> that They'd still all overcommit and liable to get into a situation like, with that. You know what I'm saying? And, and Wenger, Wenger's gambled to get himself out of a big hole. He needed, uh, he needed to, to a really successful April to justify the two years that's coming. And, you know, and he's, he's beaten City in the semi-final. They'll probably go to White Hart Lane and get something at the weekend because, you know, uh, Tottenham will be more or less on the beach after uh, Chelsea win at Southampton. And, you know, he's, to be fair, Wenger's pulled the fat out the fire again, but the law of diminishing returns. They're not getting in the top four. They'll probably get beaten in the cup final. And then again, it'll be back to Wenger and, for and, the summer. And let's face it, they've, they've got to the cup final by beating two Premier League sides. Hmm. It's yeah. just not good enough. But surely, you know, I know our trade is a fairly hard trade at times, but you've got to have the hardest of hearts not to feel for him. There was that wonderful photograph at the end where he's looking up to heaven. Yeah. Look, I, I, you know, he's had to put up with I, a lot. I, I, there was all this rubbish pre-match about the Wenger re referendum or whatever, you know, some tawdry little publicity stunt. He doesn't deserve... He deserves no, he doesn't. Respect. I mean, that, that's, that, that, yeah, the, the lack of respect to him is, is just outrageous. Um, you know, I, I, I cannot believe everything that he's done over the last 20 years. I've, I've said many times that if you'd have said to every Arsenal fan 20 years ago... This is what the man's going to achieve for us over the next 20 years. They'd have all beaten your hands off for it. You know, he's, he's done he's done incredible things. Doesn't deserve to be going out with anything other than the utmost respect. But I do still, the caveat to all that is that I do think it's time to change. He's run his course and I'd have more sympathy with the celebrations if afterwards he didn't you know, come into the press mm. conference radiating smug. You know, it's like, I've got smug bands, look. <laughs> it's, um, and, you know, and it's like, you know, one of the boys asked him, said, you know, it's, uh, you know, does it give you confidence for next year? And he was like, I know what you're saying, I know what you're doing, I have enough fall for it. And you're like, oh, Darson, stop it. Just tell us you're going to be here for another two years and, you know, it's, um, and, and let's get all the nonsense over with. Yeah, talking of nonsense, is Guardiola getting away with it? You know, he's come in to either have a good go at the Champions League, win them the Premier League, they're scuffling for fourth. He's, he's getting away with it for now, but 
I think the tide turns if if they lose on Thursday. I mean, that is an absolute humdinger of a game now. You know, well, the, derby match. the derby match. Mm. Um, it, it was it was going to be a big game anyway, but uh, given the fact that he's now not going to win a trophy this year, first if, time in his career, first time in his career, and and if he's then to miss out on the top four, I mean, it just wasn't in the script. And a, a penny for Manuel Pellegrini's thoughts. You know, when Pellegrini came in, what was it, five five trophies in five years, and of course the expectation with Guardiola was that he, he would come in and and wipe all before him, um, but it just it just hasn't worked, and and the mistakes. That he has made this season, uh, you know, they're, they're the sort of mistakes that I don't think managers who are so uh, well, who who would be classed as being so far below him, uh, would have made. I think I, I think the expectations largely been in the public and us in the press. I think at, at, at the Etihad, he had a free pass this season. You know, the the, the place has been set up for him and. The, you know the buzzword, the project. The project is a long-term project. So they weren't looking. You know, if they didn't win initially, there's. there's Hang on, no he didn't panic. have a free pass not to finish in the top four, though, Tony. I mean, you know, he, he had a. He, he didn't necessarily have to win the league, mm. but but if they if that you know, I still I still think if I was a City fan, I'd, I'd be confident that we will finish in the top four. Yeah. yeah. But he, he you know it wasn't finish fifth. Was it? That, no, no, that's no. Not free. I mean, there will be serious no, but... ramifications and questions. And also, it's not like he didn't have six or seven months to work out which players mm. he wanted to sign. He and knew... he's got the resources. You know, there was a yeah, stat floating around this morning. Gonna... 60 new employees have come in mm. under Guardiola, yeah. you know, backroom staff, etc. That's a huge investment in human terms oh, and financial Without terms. a doubt, and they argue that this is for the long term, not the short term. And I think if um, you, so, if they do finish fifth, which I don't think they will, I think Bagheristan will pay the price for it mm. and they'll say he's the, the problem for the recruitment. <laughs> he's got Pep now anyway, so yeah, he's done yeah. his job, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, but I, I mean, my concerns about Guardiola is this sort of reinvention of the wheel. You know, they're, they're playing without midfield. That uh, you know, one of one of the problems with the Arsenal's three at the back yesterday is uh, they sat so deep in the first half. They let City pass the ball out from their own back line. They didn't press them, and I'm thinking that's where City are the most vulnerable. You know, they, and and they are extremely vulnerable when they're passing the ball out because he's, Guardiola's trying to do it with players who are not capable of doing it, and that that does concern me. Rather than not winning the title or winning any trophies this year, he's asking people to do what they can't do. He's playing without midfields. He's throwing everything forward, and the, you know, and the, the, they've got enough talent to to beat teams. I mean, I've, I've seen them play Arsenal twice in the last month, and twice they should have beaten them. And they've come out of it with one point in there and an embarrassment in the semi-final. What about the impact of the loss of David Silva? David Silva. Um, well, yeah, I mean, because he is a he's he's a great player and he you know and he knits them together. But that's that's not where the problems are. They've got mm. loads of people going forward. The, the problems, the problems in the defence behind and, 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 and the field. The, the loss of uh, Vincent Company. I, I think that's that for me is the the one caveat for Guardiola because I think. I think he made a mistake with Joe Hart and, and Claudio Bravo. I think he completely got that situation wrong. And I think he was just playing a political game with that rather than a sensible game. But I think had he had Vincent Company in the heart of his defence for the entirety of this season, I think John Stones would have benefited from it. I think the goalkeeper would have benefited from having someone... I mean, I was down at uh, Southampton last week and, and just watching Company. It was... It, yes, he got the goal that, mm. that opened things up. But it, it's just the positions that he took on the pitch made sure everyone else and was built talking. around him yeah. and the talking and everyone else got their positioning right because the 
full, uh, company was the fulcrum, whereas Stones and Otamendi have, have, enabled, have, have been enabled to be dragged mm. here, there and everywhere this season. And, mm. and because Stones is still lacking experience, of playing for a club of Manchester City size, mm. I, I think that's that's proved detrimental to him. So I, I think Company has been a, a much bigger loss than than if he'd been without well, David Silver. Even though I love David Silver. Yeah, well, and the, and the problem is that um, again, like like Pochettino um, at White Hart Lane, that uh, well, I should put it, Guardiola's more comfortable with younger players who don't challenge his ideas. Mm. So senior professionals like Company and like Aguero. Who are looking at like, um, why are we playing without a midfield? Why are we passing the ball about here when we can get caught? Doesn't like that. Mm. What about United? They're coming into the, the derby, 23 unbeaten, mm. one point behind City after that win at uh, Burnley. Um, there is a sense that there's a bit of momentum getting in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gathering and, and confidence winning results as well. You know, um, uh, that the, the victory over Chelsea, uh, Mourinho will have absolutely loved that. Um, but the way they went about the victory, you know, uh, with Rashford coming into uh, a lovely a lovely spell of form. Um, they're holding him back, of course. Uh, he didn't play uh, against Burnley, holding him back for the, the Derby game. Uh, edging past Anderlecht, yes, but getting past them nonetheless, mm -hmm. the confidence that that gives. And then, as I say, the fact that they've lost Ibrahimovic for Rooney and Martial to then come in and score the goals shows that Wayne Rooney isn't going to go out with a whimper. You know, he still wants to uh, end the, his Manchester United career. Mm -hmm. We know he can leave in the summer if he, he gets a, an offer uh, that he, he, he wants to take. And he will want to prove himself, uh, you know, that, that it's, it's, he's, he's still got plenty to offer wherever he's going to go. So I, I, I think for Manchester United, the, the one thing I'm not sure is for Manchester United is which one of City or Liverpool they'd rather knock out of the top four. <laughs> I, I, I've got again dissent slightly in that it's the most underwhelming unbeaten run <laughs> of more than 20 games I've ever seen in my life and he's, uh, Mourinho's got lucky he's um, Zlatan as good as he is has got injured and he's going to play pace up front who's have thought running behind people and pace would have had such an effect as it did on Chelsea mm. do you think Ibrahimovic slowed them down have we, have we seen the last of Zlatan in a United show and I think you know Let's pause and be realistic here. He's had a fantastic impact on their season in, in goal-scoring terms. Yes. A fantastic merchandising machine. Yep. You know, one of the great modern players. Do you think we've seen the last of him? I hope not. I mean, I'd love to see him again. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that it's one of those situations where you've got a great player and it, he actually takes something away from the team. At this stage in yeah, his career, yeah. and I think from from a United perspective, they probably would have been better given more playing time to Rashford, to Linga, to Martial, all of those who I think have, have got great opportunities to develop and grow. Uh, but you know, he's just great to watch, isn't he? You know, so to, as as much as I think he's cost, I wouldn't say he's cost United points because he scored, but I suspect he would have won more games. If they were to put the the PC youngsters up front, yeah, I think I think he might. You know, in in terms of Rashford's development, short in the short term, he's clearly not been helped by Ibrahimovic. And I think there's a feeling amongst one or two of the the younger players at United that you know you get the stare, you get the glare from Ibrahimovic if you mm. don't play the pass he was wanting you to play. And I think that's had a little bit of a detrimental effect. But I think long term. The, the, the chance to have trained with him every day, the chance to have watched him, uh, the way he conducts himself, the way he keeps fit. And that his fitness, I think that is the one reason he might have hope that 
this isn't the end for him because he mm. has kept himself in such good uh, condition. I, I, I do just want to pick you up on the fact that you're saying that Mourinho's lucky because the injuries that United have got at the moment, you know, to lose Rocco when they were coming into some good form at the back, Mkhitaryan uh, out now, he's, he's not had great, uh, he's not had a great deal of He's got a heck guys. of a squad though, hasn't he? He's he's got, he, has, he, has, he, has got, he has got a good squad. Yeah. And you know, and he's done nothing but whinge. You know, of it's, course uh, he hasn't. But he did, he's done nothing but whinge everywhere he's no, gone. That's now. true. That's that, new, to be it? fair, you know, no, I, I, I just think he, he struggled for a long uh, first part of the season to get any sort of balance right, and and kind of backed into it. Yeah. What about the implicit pressure he's putting on players like Chris Smalling, mm. Phil Jones to get back? You know, he's basically saying, you know, he men or mice, you know, <laughs> break the pain barrier. You know, all that yeah. all the usual cliches. Is that fair on a player? I think there have been a couple of instances this season. Uh, Smalling was one of yeah. them. Uh, Luke Shaw was another when uh, what he was saying publicly and what he was saying privately were, were two very different things. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't think it, it was fair at all uh, on either of them. But he's also he's done it with Martial and he looks now like Martial has finally got sick and tired of pushing against him and is thinking, well, I, actually, I'll do what he says now. And it, it's actually working out for, for Martial. So... It's always been Mourinho's way or the highway, hasn't it? Uh, you know, he's, that's that's the way he's managed throughout his career. And um, I, I think if I was if I was the likes of Phil Jones and Chris Smalling, I would be tempted to say, look, let, let's let's just go with what he says because he he has proved himself at the I, level time and time again. I've got to say, if you've got a player like Martial and the penny's dropping in April, then you've done a pretty damn bad job all year. And I think that, I think Mourinho's done well by his standards. Uh, as it's been one of his flatter years, mm. you know. It's um, I think I think he should have done much better with this United squad. I think they should have been a shoe in for the top four, um, and you know I think um, right, he won the League Cup, which is good. But I mean, I, I just I think he's got it wrong too often. Yeah. What about um, Martial? You know, the money's so mad in football that that goal he scored at Burnley has cost United another ten million pounds that they've got to give um, uh, mm. Monaco. Monaco last night, and Beppe scored another fantastic goal against Lyon. He's going to turn up somewhere pretty mm. sharpish, isn't he? Yeah, um, you know, so, so he's been linked with everyone. Both Manchester clubs, uh, Real Madrid's been mentioned. If Madrid come in, he, he'll end up there. Um, you know, United City are supposed to be willing to break the world record transfer fee, which I think we're going to see a lot of that happening in the, yeah. the next couple it's of years. It's going to go over 100 million, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And we'll see the first 500 grand a week Premier league footballer pretty soon certainly in the next two seasons so um so yeah i mean he's, he's a massive tamambo he's um he's on he's got 17 17 games isn't he he's, uh, 17 and 17 yeah. yeah you know it's a i mean even taking aside you know so the the, the the french league and how good you think it is he does look like he's a sort of talent to so, thrive someone made a good point though i can't remember it was in the last few days about mbappe that he, he probably should look at martial and and the way that yes he, he did quite well in his first season but struggled now mm. and perhaps stay in france you know give it another year don't rush to mm. to leave because you know he's got so much of his career ahead of him and so much that he can learn by playing starting every week in a league where we accept that it isn't as strong as the especially Premier. with the world cup coming up next year yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. let's Intrude on private grief, or should it be public grief, Tony, right? Liverpool. Same old, same old. Terrible defensive errors. Lovren going walkabout. They lose to Crystal Palace. Is that them done for the top four? No, I mean, I think they, they've, they've got every opportunity to win the last four games, and, and, and they, you know, and they should, 
they should be in the top four. Um, it'll take a very a big crisis of confidence for them to uh, to drop out. Although they are fragile mentally, um, they're also fragile physically mm. at the back. Uh, uh, I was going to say they've had a couple of uh, bits of bad luck. If we say United have had bad mm. luck with injuries, you have to say that Liverpool have had bad luck with injuries as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, again, I think that. Klopp has people at his disposal which he should be able to use and, and should be able to fill those gaps and they still should be winning these games. But the same the pattern of problems okay after um after Crystal Palace last year when Ben Teke scored a penalty in the last minute um and Liverpool won, Palace murdered them at set pieces. They hit the bar, they scored, and they had two other good chances. And um, I actually said to Klopp, I said, you know, you're practising set pieces because, you know, you might have won today, but that was a shambles. And he was a bit like, <laughs> we won, who cares? Well, you know what? We've seen the results of it. And w w a couple of things bothered me yesterday. I, I was at, uh, at, at, obviously at Wembley, so it took a while to catch up. But a couple of things bothered me. The substitutions weren't very good. And he didn't change the shape to adjust to what Palace were doing. And, you know, up against Allardyce, who's... Um, Obviously, a master of these things. Uh, it, it just left them. Uh, it left them looking a bit clueless. The, the bench was the bench was a weak one though yesterday. Was very it? young, very very weak. very young, and, uh, and that's probably why he didn't change things because Ma Moreno he didn't was have a full senior trust. player at the age of twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> but you've also got you know, on the other side, you've got Benteke. Yeah, you know, it's the law of the X, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Benteke goes there, does well. Sacco. <laughs> Liverpool are still paying him £80,000 a week and he was celebrating that Crystal Palace win <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. I bet that went down well. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't mind that, though, you know. I, 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 all this feigning and fawning for yeah. your former clubs and not celebrating a goal, I, I find that a little bit twee. I just think, you know, well, you know what? He's, he, him and Klopp clearly dislike each other greatly. Uh, there have been serious problems. Sacco has refound himself uh, at Crystal Palace. Mm. Uh, Big Sam's put an arm around him. Um, it, it, it will be a good thing for Liverpool in the long run because they'll get good money for him the way he's been performing. But I, I didn't mind that, I have to say. And Benteke as well, somebody else who had a miserable time at Liverpool. Uh, I'm not saying he wasn't to blame either. Uh, he, he needs to shoulder his his fair share of, uh, of, of the blame for that and, and take responsibility for the way it went. But I, I, I'd quite like to see players proving their former clubs wrong and you know Klopper, and enjoying it. Klopper and them both out of town, didn't he? Yeah. So you know, I'm surprised he didn't just go in front of the dugout and moon him. <laughs> I would have. Yeah, that's, that, a that, that's, that's an image I don't want to dwell on. Okay. <laughs> what about you know? The, the, we talked about the law of the X. One of the games that Liverpool have got a West Ham. What would a fit Andy Carroll, which I know is not a gimme, what would a fit Andy Carroll do to that defence? Oh, you don't want to think about it. Um, it'd be the worst blitz in the East End since 1940, wouldn't it? Um, you know, it's, it'd be ten at time in that Liverpool defence. And, you know, you, you, you can see the fear. One of, one of the problems with Liverpool is when things go well for a short spell, everything's fine, everyone thinks everything's great. So, for example, Mignolet has made a few great saves in the last few weeks, kept them in games. Everyone's gone, oh, well, I don't need to worry about the goalkeepers. Uh, he's always been a great shot stopper. He's just not good at organising his defence and at crosses. So, you know, you've got uh, an uncertain goalkeeper, uncertain centre-halves, and a, uh, a monster like Carroll, you know, sort of barrelling down on them. Yes, yes, I'm feeling the fear already. <laughs> Talking of fear, relegation. You've got uh, Swansea against Man United in the BT uh, Sport game on Sunday. Um, Paul Clement started well, needed that win at the weekend. Has he got enough about him 
to actually keep Swansea up? As an individual, yeah, I think he, he has. Um, but as a collective, I'm not sure they're, mm. they're quite going to be good enough. I mean, it's, it's going to be a fascinating battle between them and Hull for that, what, what we are pretty certain is the, mm. the final relegation spot. Um, I just wonder if Silva has got the momentum... Uh, to a greater degree at Hull than Paul Clement has at uh, at Swansea, but what I what I really do hope is that he's given time at Swansea. He's given a, at least another uh, couple of seasons to to really uh, make his mark on that team. I think young English coaches all round need him to be successful down there. And I think some of the signings he's made, uh, you know, I think have been very successful. Uh, I think Tom Carroll mm-hmm. has has looked very good. Uh, now he's finally getting a, a run every week in the team. So I, I hope he's given chance to, to see that through, even if they do get relegated. Mm. What about Silva? He, he has the look of a man who's going to get a bigger job soon. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he's worked wonders, even uh, making Hull competitive at that bottom end of the table. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're likely to survive simply because they've got uh, they've, they've got better home games and they, they look more organised. They've got they've got good shape about them. Um, you know, he's got that back four. Which I, I didn't think anyone could get them into any any sort of reasonable pattern and with them uh, playing well. So I think um, I think they'll survive, and if they do, they've got to make every effort to keep him there because he's done a brilliant job. I think what, what's been really impressive about him was how clear he was with his thinking. The moment he came in, mm. Snodgrass, you thought they've sold the best player there, Livermore, they've sold their other really good player, uh, you know, Huddleston, I know they, they kept hold of and he, you would argue that he's he's of a similar sort of quality mm. to those two. But he came in and he, he put players in, he brought players in, he used his contacts. Brought um, seven or eight in. Wh- whatever you think of the, those particular contacts, the agent that, that he's got, the, mm. you know, Mendes, whatever you think of the way of them going about business, um, he, he brought players in who he knew would do the job. It's, it's the classic, you know, round pegs for round holes and, and yeah. it's, it's, he's, he's done a great job there. Yeah. We mentioned, you know, the the bottom two are going to be the bottom two. Borough against Sunderland on Wednesday night. That's going to be the, you know, the the derby of the doomed, isn't it? Really? Yeah, the depression derby. What does that say about northeast football? We're, it's in a constant state of recurring crisis. It seems to me. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I, I think it's too much to draw. Uh, sort of uh, too many conclusions. I mean, you know, Borough the first year up, and probably didn't do enough to uh, to solidify the position in the transfer market. Sunderland have been a car crash waiting to happen for oh six or seven years. The club's been really badly run. The whole recruitment has been a mess. They've flip flopped with managers, and um, you know, it, it's, it's been one of the most chaotic clubs in the Premier League. So finally, they're getting what. The club deserves, if not the fans deserve. Um, Newcastle sh- should be should come up, it, uh, even though they're, they're struggling with injuries. It, it'd take a, it'd be a major surprise if they didn't get enough points now to to come up. And then and, and Rafa is going to have a right go at the Premier League, isn't he? He is. If yeah. Mike Ashley gives him the money. Yeah. If uh, I think um, someone needs to learn the lesson of January and uh, and put some money into it, otherwise, I think uh, Rafa will be long for <laughs> elsewhere. Um, <laughs> But I, I mean, I think, I think Middlesbrough have the potential to go back down and bounce up again. Uh, I think Newcastle can solidify their position in the Premier League. Mm. I do fear for Sunderland, um, but I think in the next three years we might be saying 
northeast footballs on the way up again. Mm. I think, I mean, to, to give Sunderland a little bit of uh, fairness with this, you know, they had some real bad luck with Sam Allardyce leaving and taking yes. the England job yeah, yeah, because yeah. you have to say if, if Sam had have stayed, I mean, they must be looking, Ellis Short must be looking at the way things are going with Palace at the moment and thinking, mm. you know, just incredible. I mean, so they were left in the lurch. Moyes didn't have much time when he came in to, to turn things around. Any, I haven't given any money. No, well. money, and, no and, money. And you wonder all. whether they would have given Sam any money as well. Mm. So, you know, I mean, that's not to say that they deserve to go down this season. As Tony said, they've flirted with it for too many years for, for there not to be a real problem at the club. But um, I do just wonder how differently things might have turned out for them this season had had uh, Sam not gone to England, which went well, didn't it? Are you, are you surprised that they've kept with David Moyes? Um, not really, no, um, because where, where else would you have turned to other than Moyes um, unless you could get... Silver uh, when 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 he was available, um, and also I, I think Alice Short probably realises that that there is this this real problem. I mean, there's either the problem that he's not investing in it, but but you know I, I don't think there's um, I don't think he could have done too much in terms of bringing another manager in who could have changed things around. While we've got the chance, Tony, um, Chris Hutton, you know, former Newcastle manager, what is the extent of that achievement in getting Brighton up into the Premier League? Well, I, I think it's brilliant personally for Chris Hutton and the way he was treated up in the North East. Uh, you know, it's a fantastic thing. And to go up as winners with, um, with, you know, with, with Newcastle behind him, he, you know, he must be satisfied. And he's a, you know, he's a class act. He's a class act. Uh, Brighton, you know, they've, um, they've, they've, spent, they've spent a reasonable amount of money, not massive, uh, but he's put together a side that, you know, when you looked at the beginning of the season, you thought they were playoff contenders rather than than champions. You know, you'd, you'd looked at people like Norwich and Newcastle, and you thought they're they're going to be the shoe ins to go up. And um, and what Newton's done is um, he's put together a team that's been that's they've dropped points at times, like all all teams in that that game. You know, that perhaps that they shouldn't. But overall, they've been the best side in it. And there's a there's a, a sort of relentlessness about them that kind of reflects his character. Mm. I'm, um, I've been very impressed with, with yeah. what he's done. He, he improves every team he goes to. He does, to. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I've noticed is you know, football's a really hard, occasionally bitter game. But I've yet to meet anyone who begrudges him his success. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, he's, uh, you know, as Tony says, a very charming man. I think, I think the club as a whole, though, you know, uh, you speak to speak to people who know uh, the football league uh, inside out and, and the championship in particular, and, and they will tell you that that Brighton is run uh, by Tony Bloom in a, a, a very impressive way, mm. um, and I, I think that's reflected in the stability that that Chris has probably had to work yeah. uh, to work in over the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I, I think. I think it's it's a fantastic achievement. I think next year will be uh, one hell of a tough season yeah, for I mean, them. I, but... I, I think Bloom's going to have to invest more. But what, what he's done is he's had reasonable expectations, mm. unlike some other owners and chairman in the mm. Championship. Yeah. And you, you get the impression that he's there as a fan rather than there for an investment. This is when we go back to the mm. Arsenal situation with Stan Kroenke. But he, he's, not let, he's not let the fan in him cloud his judgment on mm. important decisions, yeah. which is... Uh, you know, again, something that he needs to take a lot of credit for. Yeah. You had a, a fan's fancy evening last night at the PFA dinner <laughs> in many ways. Mm. What was your view on the sort of vibe of the place when Kante was announced as Player of the Year and Deli Alley was was brought up as young player of the year for the second time. Uh, there was no one who who disagreed with it. I, I mean, people, you know, people might think that um, Aidan Hazard deserved it. I I wonder if on form this season Hazard. Was has been a better player than than Ngolo Kante, but 
what Kante's achieved over the last two seasons with Leicester and now with mm. Chelsea. I don't think anyone uh, is going to begrudge him that. And, and for Deli Alley, um, I think everyone's just in awe of him. Um, mm. David Beckham spoke glowingly uh, about both of them, but in particular, uh, Deli Alley. Beckham was obviously there to collect the, the merit award. And uh, what, I, what I liked about what Beckham said, he talked about Ali's arrogance. Mm. And he said, look, I don't mean that in a bad way. He has got this arrogance that, that you need to be a player of that level. And, and I, th I think everyone, you know, when I, I remember seeing Wayne Rooney pick up uh, the PFA Awards um, a few years ago, and it was on the day that he, it might even have been the Young Player Award, it was on the day he'd scored that great goal against Newcastle when he was in Graham Pohl's ear, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden saw the ball come over and volleyed it. And I, I remember being there that night and thinking, you know, this is one of the nights that you're really privileged to be there. And I think everyone's seeing mm -hmm. Deli Alley, they know what, is going to come from him over the course of the next 10 years mm. if he continues mm. to progress. And, and I, I felt the same last night. Yeah, I, I, the first time I saw him was as a 16-year-old in a League Cup tie playing for MK Dons at Northampton where hairy-backed League 2 central defenders and midfield players were trying to kick him over the stand and he just laughed at them. And that was when you think, yeah, this kid's got something special. Yeah, a bit of swagger, a bit of snidiness. Yeah, you've got to love it. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool player, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's not cool, dude. <laughs> well, Deli Ali took my eye last night as well. Young player of the year, again. But one question. How long can Spurs keep him? Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.